Hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. Today's show is incredibly important, not just in the world of cancer, but in the world of medicine at large and frankly, in American society. We're gonna be talking about healthcare disparities and how they affect cancer patients. Joining me as our special guest is Dr. Anita Johnson, Dr. Johnson leads the breast cancer program at CTCA. She is a nationally renowned uh, breast surgical oncologist. And Dr. Johnson, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time uh, for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me, Pat. Well, before we dive into what I think is one of the most important topics in, in medicine and society uh, today, I love to ask our guests and, and those with distinguished uh, medical and scientific careers such as yourself, what was your inspiration to uh, to go into medicine and to become a, uh, a a doctor treating cancer patients? Well, you know, I tell everyone, you know, I'm a self-confessed nerd. Uh, I was involved with STEM before it became, you know, fashionable. So as well as if I had family members, as well as uh, people in my community, in which, you know, they were unable to overcome, you know, very curable diseases. And so I was always interested in uh, how we can make our community communities better. I've had great mentors across my career from college uh, through my uh, surgical program. And, you know, bottom line, I enjoy taking care of women. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, nerds or self-confessed nerds, as you, as you called it, uh, they certainly certainly make the world a, a better place and uh, i appreciate the humor there but on a serious note uh you know we are so lucky that you made that decision and uh and and i know uh from my own personal experience of talking to your colleagues and and patients how grateful we are that you that you chose to uh to fight cancer uh with with everything that you have um kind of getting into today's topic uh, you come at it from not only being an expert in uh, in the field of um, of cancer uh, and medicine, also as somebody who is uh, you know just a a very critical thinker and, and data driven with an expertise in uh, in healthcare disparities. But just on a personal note, as as a woman of of African American descent. Uh, you went to uh, the Morehouse School of Medicine, a historically uh, black institution. Um, how, how does your unique insight, uh, just as an individual, uh, you know, play into today's topic? Um, you, you know, just training at Morehouse School of Medicine, of course, we were very well aware of disparities, uh, particularly in the African-American community, as well as individuals who are underserved. And so for me, um, you know, I've been a breast surgical oncologist for over 20 years. Uh, was one of the uh, first breast surgical oncologists in African-American in the United States. And so um, there are very few uh, people of color in oncology. And so it was always important to me uh, to be able to provide my patients with, you know, top of the line care. Uh, throughout my training, I've seen, you know, patients present with, you know, very late stage disease. And, you know, we'll get into it later, but uh, the bottom line is that, you know, it's been an issue for several decades and we can do better and we must do better. 
Absolutely. And, and we see this in, in, in today's society so much. While it's not a, a prerequisite necessarily that um, a provider of service or care necessarily has to be of, uh, of one same uh, gender or ethnic background, there's no question the data supports this that, that whether it is educators or law enforcement or other leaders, certainly physicians, um, when when patients or minorities are able to see, uh, you know, minorities sitting across from them in those positions of, of authority or power, um, not only is it uh, is it impactful to their decision making and, and in this case their care, but I think we would agree in society it is it is certainly inspirational to the to the generation behind. So, uh, really, really grateful to you in in so many ways. So, with that, let's let's really get into the the meat of today's topic. So. We're doing it at a time of great advancements in cancer at large. Uh, you and I both see at, at CTCA and, and the oncology community in general, this is an exciting time with breakthroughs in cancer, some of which we've covered on the show from immunotherapy and precision medicine to um, you know, earlier diagnosis and, and you know, survivorship. Um, so on one hand, we're, we're incredibly proud uh, to be pushing that frontier. But at the same time, as we talk about access in in American healthcare uh, and and in in society, if it doesn't apply to people, or if we those breakthroughs aren't accessible to people, then uh, that battle is at best half won. So specifically, we see that there are, you know, the evidence is overwhelming that minorities have higher rates of um, of diagnosis. When they uh, when they get cancer, they have worse outcomes. Uh, and for African Americans in particular, uh, cancer incidence and mortality, essentially across the board, is is worse than it is for uh, for other ethnic groups. So, can you give us uh, kind of frame this topic for us? Give us some examples of what uh, what we're seeing in terms of healthcare disparities uh, in cancer. Uh, great. Um, so when we look at particularly uh, specific cancers and we look at breast cancer patients, uh, African-American women, they have an equal rate of getting breast cancer. But when we look at outcome survival rates, they have a 40 percent chance of dying from breast cancer as compared to uh, women who are uh, Caucasian descent. When it comes to prostate cancer, we are so happy that uh, the survival rates are much better, but when it comes to African-American men, uh, they're dying at a, a rate twice as high as, as white men. Uh, and there are other disease entities, including cervical cancer, in which it's, it's detected in women who are of Hispanic descent and those who are African-American, but even in that group, African-American women are dying at a higher rate. And uh, location is, is so key. Uh, the National Cancer Institute, uh, they recently just uh, evaluated the Appalachian Mountains in which when we look at colorectal cancer and lung cancer, uh, those individuals are dying at you know, alarming rates uh, because they're diagnosed at such a late stage. Uh, so Native Americans, uh, they have a higher incidence of renal cell carcinoma and uh, the survival rates are also poor in those areas. You know, we, we talk as physicians a lot in terms of numbers and statistics, but I mean, literally that means for, you know, every hundred uh, 
cancer deaths from, you know, that a woman has from breast cancer if they're white, that means that there's 140 uh, equivalent deaths among black women, which is which is a, a shocking, shocking number when it's standardized for um, for the type of cancer and, and stage, et cetera. So really remarkable. And I'm glad that you did mention that this is across many ethnic groups. You mentioned uh, Native Americans, Alaskan Natives. Uh, it affects uh, socioeconomic status tremendously. The National Cancer Institutes uh, noted that uh, in rural Appalachia, uh, given the poverty rates, the incidence of lung cancer, colorectal cancer, cervical cancer are significantly higher than than uh, those in, in more urban areas. Um, that said, the disparities do seem to be hitting uh, black Americans particularly harder, uh, affecting them uh, at, a, at a much higher rate. How would we summarize kind of the, the reason for that? Uh, there are several reasons. Uh, access to care is important. Uh, just access to uh, standard of care treatment options is always an issue. Um, when we look at certain communities, they are either have poor quality insurance or they uh, have no insurance at all. That plays a factor when it comes to screening and early detection. And also uh, just trusting the medical community. Sometimes uh, there's an issue in the African-American community where we're not trusting uh, the treatment options we're given. Uh, when it comes to uh, lifestyle factors, you know, you must be in an environment where, you know, healthy foods are available, where you're able to exercise, your environment is conducive uh, to that, as well as uh, not having access to clinical trials or, you know, having providers who are, you know, very familiar with your community as far as uh, being able to treat you in a reasonable fashion. Yeah, you know, it, it certainly is multifactorial. And, and I think one of the great issues that, that we deal with with this issue in, in American society is that it's uh, not only multifactorial, but in many ways it's, it's structural, right? It's, it's, it, it goes back in, into sort of longer, um, uh, longer issues and, and things that are not just a, a you know, kind of a, an easy fix. Uh, that being said, I think we all agree that this is a, a huge, huge issue, one that uh, is worth the attention of, of all of us as, as leaders, as physicians, uh, to try and, um, uh, you know, essentially eliminate this issue. If we were to talk about a, a lack of awareness in the context of, of cancer uh, disparities or um, or screening, uh, understanding family history. Uh, can we talk a bit about, about that particular factor first? Right, awareness is key. Um, as we all know, early detection uh, saves lives. And so really acting on your symptoms and knowing that you know if you have a strong family history of cancer that you may need to start screening at a much earlier age. And if you are diagnosed, just being aware that the treatment options have changed dramatically over the past decades. And so now surgery is more or less invasive uh, when it comes to uh, medical therapy, such as chemotherapy. Uh, we now have uh, what we call oral chemotherapy. So some patients are just taking a pill for their cancer treatment. And when it comes to radiation, uh, we're definitely working on some of the side effects of radiation. And, and nowadays for some cancers, uh, the time period for radiation treatment is much less. Uh, 
so awareness is key. Uh, access to prevention is key as well. If you have a very strong family history, then uh, we screen you more often uh, than the normal population, as well as provide you with some preventive measures uh, to lower your risk. Uh, so those are some uh, solutions uh, that we have in place uh, for those who are at risk of getting any types of breath, of any types of cancer. So, so Dr. Johnson, I think that's that's spot on. You know, awareness might be a part of the issue, but even as we increase awareness, and let's be honest, I mean, awareness of cancer screening and those things is, is an issue across the board. And we know as physicians, the power of early detection and screening, but it's, it's a battle we constantly fight is to, is to get those words out there. But, but lack of access, even if you fix awareness, lack of access can, can still be a tremendous barrier. I, I, I remember uh, long ago, uh, you know, a patient outside of oncology, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the benefits of, of eating healthy. And it was a, a black patient, and, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, but the issue wasn't, he, he, you know, he nodded his head and said, absolutely, I know I need to get eat healthier, but he didn't have a grocery store access to eating healthy, you know, anywhere reasonable for him to to actually take that advice. And and that parallel we see here in cancer as well. So even as we increase awareness, we also have to increase access. Talk again about some of those issues where across the board there is just barriers to access for uh, for minorities and for, for black Americans in particular uh, in oncology. Uh, there are several issues when it comes to access or transportation uh, to healthcare facilities to obtain screening or just seeing your primary care physician. Uh, that's often an issue. Uh, and, you know, there there's several food deserts. You know, you may have a convenience store that's nearby, but having uh, a store that has fresh fruits and vegetables that's key. Um, having the ability to, you know, exercise outdoors. Sometimes uh, there are uh, communities in which it's just uh, not safe. And so there, uh, that's where the limitations lie. And, you know, when we talk about just being a cancer patient, uh, we know that uh, in most cases, clinical trials are beneficial, but access to clinical trials, you know, if you live far away, uh, distance is an issue and you may not be a candidate to, well, you may not have access to make those uh, multiple visits uh, for your treatment. And so in, in that way, uh, sometimes patients delay care, uh, including even if you're not on a clinical trial, whether it be surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation. So. Uh, access to care is multifactorial, and uh, hopefully, uh, in the next uh, you know few years, we can address uh, some of those issues. I think uh, digital media is very important when it comes to uh, educating individuals about prevention and screening. And uh, you know, with COVID, uh, we are thankful that uh, it has uh, shined a light upon uh, disparities, uh, but now we know that uh, with digital media, we have several opportunities to educate uh, those patient populations. Yeah, that's, that's very well said. And, and you know, you mentioned 
if you don't have that access to a critical clinical trial, then you know that that could deny a potentially life saving option. Uh, certainly, if uh, if there are barriers to um, to screening or barriers to an insurance, a medical insurance or a proper insurance that um, you know enables with great comfort a, a patient to get that early screening, get that early detection and diagnosis. If, if there's barriers there, that's going to certainly worsen outcomes. And then you did touch on, on nutrition, which again, just to remind our audience, is, is such a major protective factor. Good nutrition is such a great protective factor uh, in the fight against cancer, and bad nutrition uh, is really a, a risk factor to developing cancer, obesity in particular. Uh, you know, has been, um, you know, really proven to be a, a high risk factor for uh, increased odds of developing cancer, which really leads us into lifestyle and societal issues. Dr. Johnson, you mentioned earlier uh, the notion of trusting the healthcare system. Let's kind of talk uh, holistically about what are the cultural or lifestyle factors that are at play here and, and what is their role in perpetuating these healthcare disparities? When we talk about a culture in certain communities, uh, we're well aware that there are some trust issues. And so uh, when we look at that, that's where it, it becomes a you know significant challenge. And so oftentimes just uh, hearing the C word or cancer diagnosis uh, patients feel that, you know, they don't have an opportunity to overcome this. And so that's where the education comes into play, because as we all know, um, when we look at overall cancer death rates, they are declining. And so the treatment options have changed tremendously. So just having a fatalistic attitude uh, kind of puts us in a bind. Uh, some patients delay the care thinking that uh, they don't have choices. And so if you're detected at a much earlier stage, then we know the survival rates are much higher. And so today we know that patients in most cases have an opportunity for cure, but our goal is to get those individuals at most risk into our system at a much uh, earlier stage. Uh, Dr. Johnson, I, I really couldn't agree with you more. And as you and I work together, one of the things I love about your approach is you're very solution oriented. And, and you know, from my perspective, it's absolutely about understanding the problem, what's causing the problem, but but really focusing on fixing the problem. And, and I am a believer that no matter how uh, complex the problem or how grand the challenge that no problem is, is unsolvable, no problem is insurmountable. So this is clearly one of those huge issues in, in society and healthcare and, and definitely in, in cancer care. So let's talk about solutions because I know you and I agree that uh, this is something that we must solve and something that we can solve. So um, how can we begin to tackle the issues of disparities in cancer care. What are what are how would you frame kind of the approach to next steps or solutions to to quickly mitigate and eventually, you know, totally dissipate this issue? Right. 
Um, well, I, I wish we could quickly uh, get rid of this issue that we wouldn't have to have continued conversations. It will still take some time. Uh, I think uh, when we look at health disparities, we oftentimes talk about the numbers and the issues, but we must act on them. So as we all know, uh, there's certain communities who, pre who present with early, late stage disease at a much earlier age. And so in those patient populations, I think policy will be beneficial uh, it, to make sure that those patients are being seen uh, at a much earlier age. Uh, I strongly feel that screening uh, one size does not fit all. Um, you know, as we know, African-American women can present with um, late stage disease at a much earlier age. And so when we look at family history, we must act on it. Uh, individuals come into our hospitals on a weekly and daily basis who have an extensive family history. Uh, they've seen multiple providers, but no action has taken place. Uh, the insurance companies, we uh, need them to be a friend to us in this area uh, and agree that this patient, particularly with her risk factors, should have screening done at a much earlier age. Uh, and when it comes to just the socioeconomic issues, uh, we know that societies who are well-educated, we know individuals who are well-educated uh, and have, you know, uh, who are gainfully employed, they have more access to healthcare because they don't have the fear of getting, seeking care because they're well-insured. And so uh, the bottom line when it comes to addressing health disparities is that we must act uh, patients who are symptomatic, we advise them to act quickly. And so action is the key in eliminating health disparities. Yeah, that's a powerful message is there's a lot of uh, kind of acknowledgement now of, of the issue and the numbers, but, but the actions definitely speak louder than words. And we know in cancer, uh, where speed definitely matters, uh, acting and acting boldly is is important. In in many ways, there are blueprints out there uh, that other bodies um, have have put out. Uh, you know, esteemed bodies that we're a part of and support ASCO, National Cancer Institute. They have a program called the Center to Reduce Cancer Health Disparities. Um, what are what's in some of their blueprints that uh, that have been uh, published? Uh, they have an extensive program. Uh, they have some initiatives dealing with urban areas as well as rural health areas, uh, just trying to educate uh, individuals in the community about uh, health disparities, particularly in oncology. Uh, they have, uh, you know, support systems in which they offer grants to certain institutions who focus on uh, oncology disparities. And so uh, they've just done a ton in just monitoring those patient populations who are at most risk. And so we, we're just so very fortunate that, you know, certain organizations have provided us with a blueprint uh, so that we can follow because we, um, we have proof that once you are out in the community that we can eliminate some of the disparities, but it will take all of us uh, every day. Couldn't agree with you more. Along those lines, I think it's it's incumbent for leaders to always listen and uh, and with, uh, with with great you know authority comes great responsibility. And as a CEO of a um, of a large national uh, 
you know, care provider and the only national cancer provider. Uh, what can other leaders or other CEOs such as myself, what can we do um, to help reduce this problem or uh, you know, act, as you said, instead of only, not only, but understanding and, and talking about it, but, re but really acting? What, what are things that I can do? What are things that other, other leaders should be doing? Well, you know, I'm so thankful that you brought this up uh, or just having this discussion, but that's the main thing. It, allowing us to talk about this uh, on a local and a national level is absolutely key. Uh, providing programs which uh, provide solutions to our patient populations, that's key. Uh, having a diverse work environment. And so we know uh, throughout the country, uh, companies that have a diverse uh, employee portfolio, uh, they actually do better. And so it's not uh, just on based on ethnicity, uh, gender, uh, as well as socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, it just makes our company better. It helps us to take care of our patients better. And so all of those factors play a huge role when it comes to administration, administration uh, supporting us in uh, health disparities in oncology care. Terrific, terrific. And, and you and I also share a, uh, a, a mission to improve health policy and a, a passion for, for those changes at the, at the societal or the, the American level. At a, at a policy level, Dr. Johnson, are there things that uh, we can specifically advocate for or work on uh, to, uh, to reduce disparities in cancer care and, and healthcare at large? Uh, exactly. Uh, so when it comes to screening, uh, screening, as I stated earlier, uh, patients who have strong family histories, uh, they need to get in the system at a much earlier age. And so that's where we need policy. Uh, we've had policy in the most recent years when it comes to, uh, say for instance, women being diagnosed with extreme dense breast tissue. We now have policies which demand that, that uh, the patient be notified that they have dense breast tissue. And in that case, uh, women are allowed to get breast MRIs. Uh, and it does depend on their insurance company, but that's one policy where uh, we've seen some impact. Uh, when it comes to high-risk populations, uh, for decades, we know that women who are of Ashkenazi Jewish descent, they have the opportunity to have genetic testing. Uh, but as we know, for African-American women, they have up to a 30% chance of having a genetic mutation. And so we've really not addressed that patient population. So I think that's where a policy uh, will impact um, risk treatment, risk strategies, as well as uh, cancer detection rates. And uh, with, the, with the, hopefully the benefit of increasing survival rates. So um, it depends on the patient population uh, family history, and if um, we have coverage from our uh, partners in insurance. Well, Dr. Johnson, you know, this has been a, a time period where I think, you know, not only due to the pandemic have we felt physically separated, but due to a number of, of issues in society, I think many Americans have felt tension or certainly uh, divided and and at the same time I do believe that that all of us believe in 
in, in coming together uh, again. And I think as, as doctors, as leaders, as, as members of the cancer care community uh, and healthcare at large, this is just such an important issue that we can, uh, we must really rally around and, and gather around. So um, I, I wanna thank you for just your, your incredible passion uh, the, the work you've done in, in fighting cancer, uh, as well as the work you are, uh, you know, doing and continue to do in, in helping reduce these disparities. Any, any final thoughts that you have, advice you want to share or, or anything that you want to kind of close with? Well, I, I just really advise that we continue to have these discussions, but we must act. Uh, we must act on the data that we have uh, because it's important. Uh, it's the work that we promised our patients that we would do. And so I look forward to in the future uh, where all patients uh, achieve health equity in this area because we know the outcomes will be substantially uh, better. Could not agree with you more. I know I, I share that vision. I know so many of us do and uh, really look forward to uh, to making bold strides in that direction. And uh, again, thank you for your leadership in this unbelievably important area. Uh, thank you for all that you do for patients uh, across the country. And, uh, and thanks again for taking the time away from uh, those patients to spend a little time with, uh, with me on the show here today. Thanks, Dr. Johnson. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.